Hello and welcome to episode 941 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, June 14th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm flying solo today, and I got a fun one on tap. What I'm talking about today are summer breakouts. Now, the spin on this is that these do not all have, like, uh, you know, untouchable statistical backing for for why I think they're going to break out. In fact, quite the opposite by design. It's it's more of a scenario where I kind of have a gut feel on them, and I'm kind of going off of that gut feel and viewing these guys as acquisitions in leagues that that allow you to make trades. Which I know most of y'all play. Not everybody's in uh, NFBC, which is a no no trading format. So you guys can go out and try to acquire these folks. And these guys aren't going to pop up on the wire. And, you know, we're at a point here where we just kind of passed the 60-game the threshold for most teams. And so, in fact, all four of the guys that I've picked here have at least 62 games played. And we want to look at that and say, you know, this, that, and the others going on. Why are you predicting a breakout? Yet at the same time, we regularly talk about how you know, 60-game sample last year, for example, uh, is not predictive. It's not super predictive. It's not, it's not super steady in making sweeping determinations. So I, f- I do find it weird at times that we can look back on something and, and properly contextualize it uh, as, as a sample of value or not. But in, the, in season, I think we struggle to do that. Uh, I think we have a big issue doing that because it's the here and now and it's going on and it seems so important and and so um, so determinant uh, of what's going on. And sure, there's indications and I'm not saying that I don't use stats in season to identify players that I like or don't like or anything like that. I don't I don't want to push this too far and say I don't look at anything in season. My point here though is that a lot of times, we trust guys with track records. We wait, we wait it out, and it ends up paying off. Sure, there's sometimes that it misses. You know, Anthony Rendon, maybe he just misses this year. But I'll tell you what, I'm I'm sure gonna, I'm I'm sure gonna trust him. Um, he's not one of the guys on here, though. Uh, I feel like he he maybe could have been. Um, I'm just not particularly concerned with what's going on with him. Uh, in fact, I tried to avoid guys who have like injury concerns. Or, or, or have been injured this year that could keep them, uh, you know, that could be something that's nagging at, over the course of the season. That's why all these guys do have 62 games plus because they've been playing all year. So let's just get into them. And I'm trying to debate on whether or not I want to start with my, my main guy, which is the reason I did this, or kind of work up to him. Let's just start at the top. Let's just do it. It's Yohan Moncada. This is the guy that I was just thinking and, and kind of uh, had a gut feel, the, the first gut feel here where like, he's been playing pretty well, but he's going to be so much better. That's, that's what I'm thinking right now. He's got a 280 average, 402 OBP, 408 slug. The closeness in OBP and slug is bad. You don't, you don't want six points. Uh, you know, difference there. You love the 402 OBP, but the slugging is not good. But you look at a 134 WRC plus, 2.6 WAR, and you're like, well, he's been fine. He's been great. What are you talking about? 
And as a baseball player, he has. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong that the White Sox are looking at saying, we got to get Moncada going. Fantasy folks, maybe so, though. He has five homers, 31 runs, 32 ribbies, just one steal and two, two attempts. I'm going to put the kibosh on any sort of uh, major expectations with regards to the stolen bases right now. I, d I don't see it. That has not really been a part of his game as a big leaguer. He has seasons of 12 and 10. Um, that's that's probably where your, your expectations should lie. Now, he has one thus far, so still reaching that double-digit threshold would be a positive and, and certainly turn the tide on, on probably where expectations are lying right now. But I don't find that to be a, a major component of his game that I'm expecting a big spike from. Where I am seeing this, this potential summer spike is with the power output. Five homers is a bit too low right now. He had six in, in 231 plate appearances. He's got 35 more plate appearances than that so far this year. So a similar output. Remember, he talked about how much the COVID the case that he had impacted him and, and st stayed with him. So even though he played 52 of the 60 games last year, he was not himself. And I understand that you add up these last two seasons. We're approaching 500 plate appearances of, eh, you know, eh, good but not great work. 11 homers in that time, 761 OPS. Well, obviously, we decided as, as kind of a collective based on the COVID situation that 2020 wasn't really going to carry a lot of weight for us. I think we all, you know, as a general rule, understood that that, that was probably the right move with Moncada, and he was still drafted as a potential stud player. And, and we haven't quite seen that yet. He's better than he was last year, but he's not all the way back to 2019 when he went 25 and 10 with a 315 average. So what are the reasons that I do like him to get there? Well, his plate skills are fine. I don't have any real issues with what Moncada is doing at the dish. 28% strikeout rate, a little high, but he kind of has lived with that. And he has a 15% walk rate. So he counterbalances it very nicely. And he's now shown that throughout his career that he can make the most of the contact that he does make. Remember, he had a 406 BABIP in 2019. It was down to 315 last year. But again, I think we're working in the COVID hangover and the fact that he was sluggish, not himself. I'm less inclined to look at that and say, well, the 315 carries a lot more weight. He's at 400 this year. Now, predicting him to maintain a 400 uh, would be foolhardy. I do think he, like teammate Tim Anderson, is somebody that can kind of beat BABIP expectations consistently based on the way they hit the ball, both with their power and speed. But I would not necessarily say, okay, book 400 and let's go. But high 300s certainly seems possible. So I, I, I look at that and I say, he's a bit of a proven BABIP god that I think can continue at that level. Now, I'd be reluctant to say it will because that's just the very nature of BABIP is its inconsistency and uh, the fluctuations that can hit regardless of the career that you've established. Uh, but I look at the plate skills, the BABIP, he's still tattooing the ball as well. Moncada is still hitting the ball uh, very hard regularly. Uh, his, his hard hit rate is back up near where it was in 2019. It was at, it was at 48% that year, down to 33% last year, back up to 45%. His barrel rate back up near near 19, not quite on a par, but 10.8 to 9.7, you know, 11 and 10%. We're basically calling it a wash there. It was down to 6% last year. So everything's back in line, more or less, with the 2019 season that saw him be such a fantastic player with the 25 homers, 10 steals, 
um, <clears throat> 83 runs and 79 ribbies. Don't forget, by the way, that was in 132 games. Imagine if he doesn't miss a month of action and plays at least another, say, 25 games of, uh, of time to tack on to those numbers. One of the big things about that 2019 season, though, was remember, he cut his walk rate a bunch uh, by, by attacking more. Remember, he had a boatload in 2018. Moncada did a boatload of called third strikes. And he was going to dial up the aggressiveness to make sure that that didn't happen again. Well, I did mention that the walk rates are back up to 15%. So he's not out there being quite as aggressive. In fact, his swing rate is down seven points from 2019 to 2021. His chase rate, uh, O swing percentage on our website, is down nine points. So he has become more cautious yet again. And I'm not going to ding him for that, but I think part of what will lead to the summer breakout is dialing up uh, is dialing up that aggressiveness. And I think we could certainly see that over the course of the summer, maybe sparking, you know, just a completely massive run from him where he's crushing the ball, getting on base at a huge clip. And what I really like about Moncada scoring a ton of runs. I think that's what's going to be such a game changer for him uh, is the runs and ribbies being part of that White Sox ball club. So I'm not saying he's going to chase down 40 homers or even necessarily 30 at this point. He needs 25 from here on out, only has about 100 games left to do it. But I think he'll be in the upper 20s still, even with the, uh, even, even with the little deficit that he's built himself. And Again, those runs and ribbies are where he's really going to make up uh, excellent fantasy value. To this point, Moncada's on pace, I believe, for 80-something of both. In fact, uh, he's only one off, you know, 31 runs, 32 ribbies. So if I say a pace for one, it's basically the same pace for the other. 84 ribby pace, 81 run pace. I think he smashes both of those to the point where he's pushing. I think he's going to have triple digits for the runs and pushing it for the uh for, for the ribbies as well now he does bat third a great rbi spot i think he jumps up to another level here with that big summer the white Sox are great deep lineup and i think y'all moncada is somebody that's going to have a huge summer number two a eugenio suarez turning things a little bit from the moncada example we have Suarez who's not doing so well. Like, uh, remember I said, Moncada, you would look and you say, well, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with him, dude. Two and a half war, 134 WRC plus. What are you complaining about? I'm not complaining, by the way. If I've got Moncada on a team, I am okay with where I'm at right now. I just think he can go next level. If you got Suarez on a team, you're probably a bit less excited about it right now due to that 171 batting average. He does have 14 homers, which is a nice count, but... Uh, it's not counterbalancing that that batting average. And I understand batting average is very low league-wide. And so some of these devastating batting averages aren't aren't killing you the way they normally would. But a 171 still is. Okay. We haven't we haven't sunk so far that a 171 is just chilling. Nah, that that's that's absolutely crushing you still. But he's on a 37 homer pace with those 14, and we're kind of fitting a little bit of the trajectory that we saw last year, where he got off to a slow start, crushed it at the end, and the only thing that really kept Suarez from kind of fully getting back on track was time running out. Uh, you know, he just he just fronted the league too much of a lead there and didn't leave himself enough time to get 
get back to his peak levels there. Uh, he ended up with a 781 OPS, which basically put him in league average as far as WRC plus after several years of, of being in the 120 to 130 range. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it now. He had a 104 WRC plus after 133, 135, 116 in the three years prior for Suarez. So why do I like him uh, right now? Power metrics remain firm. Nothing in, in the power profile seems to be uh, egregiously off. I know the 214 ISO is low, but I think a lot of that is that all he has right now is, is his raw power and got to get some more hits to fall. Um, and I think obviously as some of those, some of those hits fall, there'll be doubles as well. And um, I think we'll see him definitely raise that 214 ISO. He has a 178 BABIP right now. And a home run guy like this is not going to be like a massive BABIP dude. He was at 214 last year. He's a steady low 300s guy before this though. And nothing that I'm looking at has greatly changed in his profile to make me see Eugenio Suarez as somebody who is now going to have to live with these minuscule BABIPs. I'm like, okay, regression has to get there uh, to some degree, even if you don't get all the way back into like the 310 area, which is about where he uh, pretty much lived for those three standout years. In fact, let me get you, let me get you a specific number. You guys deserve it. Uh, 314. I kind of eyeballed it there and I, I was pretty close. 314. Babip is what he had from 17 to through 19. 214 last year, 178 so far this year. That has to come back, man. And it's not like the plate skills were so uh, amazingly, so much better in those three years. Now he did kind of hit a jump from uh, 18 to 19 in strikeout rate when he went from being at 23% for two years up to 29, which is where he's been now for the last couple of years. But he had a full, like that was a full season and his best work ever. So it's not like he can't live with a 29% strikeout rate, um, especially when he counterbalances it with a, a pretty solid walk rate. 11, 13% range is where he's been in those three years. 13% last year, down to 8% this year. So there's a little something there that we see. And, um, you know, those are down to his 2016 levels when he was a 25% strikeout rate guy and just kind of bubbling under the surface. He had 11 steals that year, by the way. We're not, I don't think we're getting that, that version of Suarez. I still think this is a guy who's going to chase down 40 homers. And I think it's going to come with a, a lot of batting average regression that he may only finish the year with a 230 mark, but that to get him to that 230 composite will still be great. And I think Eugenio Suarez and the rest of the Reds, actually, I, I know they've got some guys who are playing remarkably well. Castellanos and Winker uh, are, are the two main ones. I think they'll continue to do well. I think uh, you look at Barnhart, Votto, India, there, those are guys, uh, and Tyler Stevenson, I know Stevenson and Barnhart are, sh are sharing time. Those are guys who've been about league average. I think they're going to hit a level two when it starts to, or I mean, I think it already is starting to get hot everywhere. We are at June 14th after all. The summer in Cincinnati is going to be nice to their offense. So even as Winker and Castellanos maybe level out a little bit from their 170-something WRC plus totals, I think Suarez and company are going to come closer to them, and overall it's going to be a net benefit for the Reds. So keep an eye on Suarez. I don't think the things that are that are really down, the walk rate, the, the hard hit rate, and the O swing being up a little, 
I don't think any of that is enough to explain where he's at right now. I see a 178 Babbitt, power that remains firm. I see a big summer for Suarez. This one's easy, um, and he's still going to be very difficult to get, this next guy here, Whit Merrifield, because he actually has been excellent this year. He's the highest rated of these players that we're going to talk about because he has 17 stolen bases. So don't think you're going to go waltz in and get any of these four. Uh, I'm going to be clear here that even Suarez with his 171 average, I don't think people are just giving him away. They, they see the 14 homers. They're not stupid. I mean, unless you play in a league with people who are purposely stupid. I, I don't know. I, I hope you don't. You should challenge yourself. It's, it's more fun that way. But I don't think people are just going to give give these guys away. And just as they're not going to look at uh, Merrifield's 87 WRC plus and say, well, I'll just give them away for a song. No, they're going to see 17 for 18 on the bases and say, pony up if you want my guy here. And I understand that. But he has five homers, 17 steals, 255 average. That's the key right there. 255. Come on. That's not the Whit Merrifield that we're used to. And that's when you know batting averages are wonky across the league. When Whit Merrifield's hitting 255, I'll tell you what, he's going to be fine. And I'd be willing to bet that he still hits over 300 for the year. Not the rest of the way, for the year. That's the kind of summer that Whit Merrifield is going to have in my estimation. Uh, I look at, you know, same sort of stuff that I've just talked about with the first two guys. Hits are going to start falling. He has a 272 Babbitt, but it was down to 295 last year after being a 350 guy for two straight seasons. Okay, even if it only gets to the 295, obviously that's going to be a 23-point jump. I think it's actually going to push closer to the career 329 mark the rest of the way and help him collect a ton of hits. Like I said, I think he's got a great shot to finish over 300, uh, let alone uh, hit 300 the rest of the way, or 300 or better the rest of the way, which I definitely think is going to happen. I, I grant that getting the 255 average up the requisite 45 points is going to be a bit more of a challenge. I think Merrifield's up to it, though. Um, he just deserves way better than that. You look at the plate skills, they're firm, perfectly intact strikeout rate uh was down to a career best 13 percent last year he's maintained maintained it on the button he's even upped the walks a little bit to a three-year high of seven percent after five and six percent the year before that's not a huge part of his game but i'm just saying uh he even has that going for him and his swinging strike rate of six percent is also a career best after years of seven nine eight in uh, 2019 and 18, respectively. So Whit Merrifield uh, is doing a lot of things right. The, the hits just aren't falling. Like he does, he already deserves better than the 255. So I think he's going to catch up to where he quote unquote belongs, and then even surpass that uh, for for just a monstrous summer. And it could even include a little bit more pop. You know, you look at the 124 ISO. That's off the mark. Uh, it's his lowest since 2016. Uh, he's hit 19, 12, 16, and then nine last year in just the 60 games with his home run count. He's got five this year, which is fine. It's not it's not nothing, uh, but I think he could even find, find that to become a bit more friendly for him and beat the 13 pace that he's on right now. So keep that in mind as well. And then like Moncada, I think runs are a big issue that we're going to see uh, take another step forward for Merrifield. I think that's something that that right now we haven't... Uh, he's been good. He's been good in runs, but he hasn't been super with Merrifield. Like I said, 
he has seasons of, well, one season of 100. Back in 19, he had a 105. Last year, he had 38 in the 60 games. He's got 38 and 64, which puts him right on another 100 pace, like right there. 97 is his pace. I think he blows through that and j- jumps over 100 for the year. Uh, part of that owing to not only his goodness, of course, but then the team around him taking advantage of the fact that Merrifield will be on base more often than the 302 clip he's done, or 308 clip he's done thus far. They've had a few pieces going all right this year with uh, with Benatendi and Santana and Perez. I think they'll get even a bit better um, as as the offense coalesces a, a bit more. Maybe some prospects come up. Uh, maybe Mondesi back on track. Maybe they actually play Edward Olivares when they call him up. And maybe, just maybe, Bobby Witt. We'll see. Uh, but I don't need any of that. Honestly, the, the offense could remain anemic uh, you know, relatively so as is, but if Merrifield gets better, I think he can will himself to the 100 runs just on the power of those, of those few good guys behind him there with Santana Perez and Benintendi, uh, for Whit Merrifield. So again, 17 steals already. You're not getting him cheap. I don't want to imply anything to suggest, Hey, let me go steal this guy, pun intended, I guess. Uh, you're not gonna, you're going to pay up, but I think you should, because I think there's going to be tons of speed, Lots of hits, lots of runs, and a little smattering of power. By the way, he does have 36 ribs. Despite not being a big power guy, he's third on the team behind Perez and Santana. So Merrifield's a badass. He's been pretty badass so far this year. I think he'll be badasser the rest of the way. Definitely a word. Don't look it up, please. <laughs> and then the last one, the fourth guy that we have here. This one is more of a favorite here, right? I'm, I'm able to go back on track records with Moncada. Merrifield and Suarez and kind of point to those pretty comfortably and say, hey, I mean, these guys have done it before. They're not really off the mark for what they do and and how they perform um, regularly. So that's more or less, you know, I, I grant that the general point is, okay, Paul's leaning on the track record of those three guys. Okay. That's not groundbreaking or anything necessarily, but I think sometimes we don't think about guys who have just been like fine jumping another level like well this is where they're at it's like no there's ebbs and flows i think there's going to be summer surge for these three uh, and then this fourth guy though doesn't necessarily have the track record uh because he debuted last year and, and played just a handful of games he only, he only played 35 games but i think dylan carlson is is going to have a summer breakout as well and i think it'll be kind of his his coming out party as as a star level player and he's been good so far this year too he kind of fits in, in the mold of um, Moncada and Merrifield, sort of. Now, actually, Merrifield's OPS or WRC plus actually is below average, but Carlson's is 111, so he's been a bit better than league average, 11% over league average. Uh, nobody's angry about that as a 22 year old hitting two uh, in the lineup of a contending team. Six homers with a 263, 41, 410 line, and yet I think there's a lot more to come. Why is that? Well, I am. Kind of, you know, I, I've been clear about being a Dylan Carlson fan. I've mentioned it multiple times on this podcast during draft season when I was saying I'm going for this guy. I think he's really strong. I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. In fact, he hasn't even uh, attempted a stolen base. And let me be clear, that's an ancillary part of his game. I'm not thinking that he's some massive locked in 20 plus steel guy or even a 15 plus steel guy. But despite having zero thus far, I wouldn't be surprised if he chased down a 10-pack. 
Um, but that's on top of everything. Even if you only get a little, you know, five to seven the rest of the way. Okay, that's not the driving force here of why I like Dylan Carlson, why I'd be looking to to trade for him or, or, or get him. But he is he is fast enough to, to make some good decisions on the bases and swipe some bags. He had 18 in 108 games back in 2019 at, at AA. Uh, but he had just one and two tries last year and two and three tries in 18 games in AAA back in 19. The, the, the 18 came in, uh, in AA. So, you know, not some speedster, but I think there's even a little bit of, of, of stolen base potential there to add into everything else, which I think is going to be better. So why do I think he's, he's going to improve? Or what do I think is going to, the improvement's going to look like? Well, I think he can be even better than the 260 average that we've seen. And I just talked earlier about how batting averages are so bad this year um, that, you know, we're, we're seeing marks that have never felt good to us before or useful and they're just they're not too bad because everyone is having such issues with batting average the 260 is pretty good as is i think it can jump i think he can finish as a 280 guy uh, i think he can add 20 points the rest of the way obviously that would be quite a good mark from here on out to add 20 points to your bottom line also don't think we've seen him fully tap into the power yet with the six home runs um, he's got plate skills that absolutely work 25% strikeout 10% walk nothing flashy on either it just kind of works and um, I, I have no grave concerns there that's going to hinder him from doing anything uh, big in the summer and I think tapping into that power is going to be key to obviously having a big summer he's underperforming a bit on on barrels and hard hit at uh, at seven and thirty five percent respectively, those, those marks are fine. The, they're not, you know, they're not beating down the door on anything. Nobody's nobody's uh, freaking out about how great they are. I think there's room for improvement. And you look at the batted ball profile as well, with regards to his spray chart, and he's pretty even in terms of not only directionally but also ground ball, fly ball, line drive. Uh, so I think he makes enough contact puts the ball in the air enough, can pull enough, can hit it hard enough to hit, I think, upwards of 15. I, I, hell, I'd say, no, I'd say 17 to 20 homers the rest of the way. 17 to 20 homers. And again, maybe the, maybe one of the themes here, not, not the theme because Suarez definitely doesn't fit the mold, but the other three definitely do. One of the big focuses here is runs that I'm, that I'm having. I keep kind of coming back to runs, uh, runs in batting average, for, for three of these guys, because I think those are a bit uh, unheralded stats. They, they routinely are. And I think this year more than ever, they're important uh, based on how, you know, w what we're seeing with the offensive environment that we're in, uh, particularly owing back to that batting average that I keep hitting on. He's pacing for 83 right now, 83 runs and 70 ribbies. I think he's going to beat both of those handsomely. I, I think he, he's going to beat both those marks by 20. So I think he'll jump over 100 runs, and I think he'll be approaching about 90 ribbies on the season with you know upwards of, say, what did I say, 17 to 20 more homers. So that's that's uh, 23 to 26, to 26 homers on the year. So like a low to mid-20s homer count, about 90 ribbies, about a hundred runs and about a 280 average. So that's gonna that's gonna require some 
next level. That, that's going to require a big summer surge to get it done. Uh, and I think that that is in the offing for Carlson. Now, again, it's a big fan of his. This is, this is one of my guys. Am I just saying I want one of my guys to do well? Well, no. I mean, obviously I do, but like I'm not just making things up and like trying to see something that isn't there. I just think we've seen a, a rookie. Uh, he's still rookie eligible, by the way, um, who has been solid. You know, everyone's probably giving him attaboys, saying, hey, man, you're, you're doing your thing because you are. Um, and if he didn't necessarily surge, I think he's on his way to a good season. But I think there's more there. And I think we can see him tap into it this season, this summer. Um, I think that Cardinals team is okay. I like they're they're pretty solid. Like uh, you know they're sitting there. They're in fourth now. They're they're a game under five hundred. Uh, if I were them, I wouldn't be gravely concerned about that. The the Reds are uh, thirty two and thirty one. Cards are thirty two and thirty three. And then you have Cubs and Brewers tied at thirty eight and twenty seven. Now the Cardinals, as far as contending. I think they're going to be in the mix all year, but I don't know that they're necessarily going to take that division. Uh, losing Flaherty until August is huge, but the offense is something that I, I think has been underperforming and I think can jump a level. I think that's, if they are going to jump in to the to the mix and really push the Brewers and Cubs uh, and Reds, because I actually still like the Reds and I think that I, I think the Reds and Brewers are the are the two best teams there. I'm sorry, Cubs fans. I just still don't believe in your pitching. I was definitely wrong about Kimbrel. Uh, I'm going to give the bullpen some love, but that starting pitching, I, I, I still don't really see it. Um, but I think if if the cards are going to be part of that, it's going to come through the offense. And they've had some great pieces going. Again, let me be clear. Carlson has not been bad. He is one of those good pieces. But Arenado, Tyler O'Neill, Yadi Molina have been great. Uh, Goldie... Goldschmidt has been, uh, eh, he's hanging in there. He's okay. Uh, Tommy Edmonds been about average as well. I think guys like those two are going to get going. I, I think Arenado and Yachty are going to continue. Tyrone O'Neill, I expect more volatility from it. Like he's been amazing. And I think with his batted ball profile and the swing and miss in his game, he's definitely going to come down. But I think, you know, jumps from Carlson, Edmond, and Goldschmidt would offset that. Uh, and we and we haven't even seen Paul DeYoung really pop off. He's hitting 172, 273, 73 with an 81. That, that's an 81 OPS plus. Let me see what it is on WRC plus. I'm bouncing between sites here. 82. So basically the same thing. They're they're rarely that different. Uh, WRC plus and OPS plus. Um, so you know if you're if you're on between BREF and and FanGraphs, you're not going to be too far off if you're citing one over the other. Uh, I do prefer WRC Plus because I am a company man. Shouts to ES, ESPN Fantasy Focus, Matthew Barry. Um, but anyway, I really do like Carlson. Uh, I really think that he can he can kind of hit that next level and be one of those big-time fantasy contributors in the stats that we don't necessarily give enough attention to. He's like a slower Whit Merrifield, I guess, which completely changes his dynamic so it's not even a good comp i should have just comped him to mancata i'm an idiot because he's also a switch hitter but as soon as i was saying that i was like no 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 no, switch to mancata switch to mancata because that's actually who dylan carlson uh comps to quite a bit better down to the fact that neither of them are are major runners or anything like that but they strike out a bit but they can take their walks they can hit the ball well and and they're you know good young players. So there's four guys, Yohan Moncada, A. Eugenio Suarez, or four four guys, I guess Suarez. Uh, it, did I say four young guys? They're not all young. I'm an idiot. 
there's four guys. I don't remember if I said young, and I'm just going to leave this in instead of going and editing and reviewing what I even said. Here's four players, Moncada, Suarez, Merrifield, Carlson, that I think are going to have big summer breakouts where they're, you know, the talk of, of, of a month to six weeks because they're just absolutely dominating. So if you can go out and get guys like that, again, if you play in a trade league, I would certainly recommend it. Um, you know, they're not going to be available. The best, maybe, 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 maybe a shallow league where somebody has cut Suarez. They've made a mistake if they've done that, but maybe. Uh, but yeah, there's four summer studs, bubbling breakouts. They're just bubbling underneath, ready to be crazy. If you enjoyed something like this, let me know. I can do another one for, uh, for, for pitchers as well. Because again, sometimes you're just kind of looking at things and, and you get a little bit of a gut feel, you know. I know we love the the hard numbers and we want to use data and everything, and I'm I'm all about that. Obviously, I don't think I need to, you know, explain my my credibility when it comes to liking the the statistical uh, side of it. But sometimes you just kind of feel something a little bit based on the fact that hey, this is a damn fine player. They're doing a lot of positive things already. They just haven't quite hit that big run. And I think these four are going to do it. So I'm going to get out of here on that. A little bit of a shorter one here on the Solo Dolo Monday episode. Hopefully y'all enjoyed it. Hit the comments there and let me know what you think. If there's anybody that you got that feeling on, if you felt this way where you're just kind of cutting your grass on a Sunday afternoon thinking about baseball because you're a huge baseball nerd like me and you're like, you know what? This guy's going to pop up because that's basically how this all came about. I was thinking thinking about baseball, um, listening to some games yesterday and I was like, Moncada's gonna Moncada's gonna go off. I, I really I really see him having a huge summer. And he was the main reason I wanted to do this, but I probably couldn't have done 30 minutes talking about him. So I added a few other guys that I feel good about. And uh if 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 any one of these were maybe a little bit uh you know not as strong, it would be the Carlson one because he doesn't have the track record. But the other three I'm I'm rock solid on. I, I would buy Moncada Suarez Merrifield. In any league that allowed me, I'd pay market rate. Uh, you can get a discount a little bit on Suarez, I bet, because of the batting average. But Moncada Merrifield going to cost you full freight? Pay it. I think you should uh, because I think that they've done enough at this point to be good and they're going to hit another level. With Carlson, I wouldn't necessarily pay full freight in a non-keeper. I'd be trying to finagle like, hey, you know, he's, yeah, I'm going out there to trade him because he hasn't, he hasn't been so great. And see if somebody will give me a little bit of a discount. And then I take that and run with it. Because he's batting number two on what should be a good offense. And he's ready to break out. All right. That's going to be it now. Thank you so much for listening. Back tomorrow with Justin. Peace. Peace.